sit. Take your Bibles, open up to Psalm. We're going to get into the Word today in Psalms chapter 133. Uh, today's message, um, this morning it was more, um, it was kind of somber and a sobering word, but it's also a very exciting word because God commands a blessing over your life and mine, and I want to be in a place where I can receive that blessing. So we talked about the cost of following Jesus. We talked last week um, in this service about someone worth losing everything for, and we talked about being radical together, and I believe that God is bringing our church uh, in a new place this coming year. So for the next nine weeks, starting next week, we're going to go into a series for nine weeks called Radical Faith. Radical Faith. And I'm going to really challenge you, encourage you to be here for the next nine weeks. I know that's scary because that's commitment, right? The average church attender goes to church twice a month now, which is really sad, but we're not average, right? We don't want to be average. I'm going to ask you to be here for the next nine weeks leading through the holidays of Thanksgiving up to just a few weeks shy of Christmas. And then we're going to celebrate Christmas holidays with our kids uh, Christmas Sunday and then with a special service Christmas week. And then we're going to launch right in in January to a one-year commitment to radical living. But what we're, what we're talking about is taking back your faith from the American dream. Nine weeks of, of a commitment to discover what is Jesus worth to you. And I believe where God's taking me and where he wants to take our church is to really discover what it means to live a completely abandoned life for Christ. You know, it's easy, it's easy for American Christians to forget how Jesus said his followers should actually live. Jesus told us what our lives are actually supposed to look like. And I would propose to you that the sad news is most of the time in the American church, they don't look anything like what Jesus said they should look like. And so I hope you're excited to be here today and I hope you're ready for me to offend you and for the, the Holy Spirit to convict you and for me to step all over your toes and, and your feet and probably every area of your life. But I hope that you'll receive it in love because Jesus loves you. He loves his church. We are not supposed to look like the bride of Jesus. We are the bride of Jesus. And we have to start acting like that. So Jesus said this is what your life should look like. You know, you should leave everything behind. Leave security, leave money, leave the convenience, even leave your family. Abandon everything for the gospel. Take up your cross daily and follow me. But who, who do you know that really lives like that? And does he really want that? Do you live like that? Do I live like that? And what does that look like? We'll be challenged to live a, a radically abandoned life for the cause of Christ. We'll discover what Jesus actually said about being a disciple and learning to obey what he said. We live in a world that is in desperate need. And I believe that we will see a transformation in our lives, in the church, in our community, as we get more serious about the gospel and living out a, a real total commitment to Christ. So this is a, a radical experiment. And it might be just two of us left when we're done, I don't know. Um, me and my wife, because she has to be here, right? She supports me and loves me. Um, but truly, it's, it's a one-year authentic discipleship transformation of how you and I live in a world that desperately needs 
the gospel message of Jesus. And, and uh, that's what Jesus came to bring. That's what he left for us to do. So I'm excited about this journey and I, I hope that you can get excited about it. Over the next nine weeks, I'm gonna ask you to not, not miss. I'm also gonna ask you to consider being a part of a life group. Uh, life groups will be launching next week, tomorrow night. If you're interested and maybe you're here and you say, I don't know if I could lead a life group, what the qualifications, what the whatever, I'm, I'm in. You know, I think I'm interested. Come tomorrow night at six o'clock. You're all invited if you're interested in being a part of the leadership of a life group. You may say, well, I, I'm, I think I'm a leader. Maybe I'm not a leader. I don't know. We'll help you to figure that out. We will. We don't want anybody functioning outside of their gifts and not everybody's meant to be a leader. But I think that everybody should participate in small groups. But the problem is we need to raise up more leaders. So if you think that at some point in time, you, you know, you do have some abilities, you might be interested in leading, but maybe not right now, come tomorrow anyway. Six o'clock till about 7.30. And we're, gonna, we're preparing for our groups to launch the following week. And so the third week of October is when we launch our series for nine weeks called Radical Faith. And like I said, that's going to lead us up just to about Christmas time. And then we're going to launch into a one-year commitment. So today we're getting into something that um, kind of the Lord put on my heart in lieu of a conversation I had with a, another pastor this week who um, prayed a prayer that quickened my spirit into my heart, um, caused me to question some things about God's blessings and about God's commands. And the, the scripture was quoted and, and it was quoted in, in what I felt, in my opinion, was a little bit out of context. Have you ever heard scripture taken out of context? Sure. You know, we take this verse and that verse and um, we kind of omit some things in the middle that maybe we don't like or maybe we don't really think God means or is saying or it doesn't make any sense anyway, so we just kind of take it out and add this part and that part and, and we come up with what we think sounds nice because um, it feels better, right? <laughs> when we can kind of manipulate that a little bit to fit our needs. But there's something intriguing about what was prayed and something that I want to share with you today uh, and something that I've been going through for over the last year as I've, as I've watched some things in, in the church go on that I've questioned. If God commands a blessing over his people, then where is the blessing? You see, I think last week was the beginning of a turning point for our church when we, when we took the sacrificial love offering because again, as I said earlier, it was not about necessarily the monetary needs. It's about the heart condition of the church. Your heart and mine. And where is that? And if it's in the right place, God's got a commanded blessing for you to receive. So, I want to ask you to pray for myself and the board. We meet Tuesday night. And there's some things that we're really needing to, to uh, unpack as a church and say, all right, what, where are some things that need to change? So I, as your pastor, want to hear from the Lord. I submit to the, the supervision of the board and we have a mutual submission one to another. And we're really trying to sort through, through some things as we move forward. But pray for us. Pray for wisdom. Because there's been some brokenness in our body. There's been people that have left the church. And some people say, why is this person leaving? Why is that person leaving? And, and believe me, we've, we've tried to look at all those things. And not just this church, I want you to know. People have left the church, Big C Church, all across America. And they continue to leave. And I think the church is going through a sifting, a purging, a pruning. 
in preparation for what I believe we're living in perilous times, where I believe we're living in the end times that are ushering in the return of Jesus. And, and the bride has got to get cleaned up. The bride has got to start functioning like we are the bride of Christ in order to receive the blessing. But there's been a, there's been a disconnect in, in, in our church specifically and there's been some people that have left just because they're leaving. They've left for no apparent reason, no real understanding as to why some have left and, and some have left for, for a reason that they feel is, is needed, which is fine as well. But some have just left. And Why? And where's the disunity? So we have got to really look into this and say, God, what's going on? And I want to hear from God. And I want to align myself with God to be in a place that we receive his blessing. And I hope that you're there as well. Psalm chapter 133, verses 1 through 3. It's a very short scripture, a short chapter in the Bible. And, and the beauty of this is um, we can take that whole chapter of Psalm 133. It's only three verses. And cover it today in the next few minutes. So Grab onto your seat or your Bibles, hang on and get ready. We're going to go on a quick journey here. And again, um, I, I want you to realize that God has commanded a blessing over us in three specific areas. And I want to touch on one main one today, but it's sandwiched in the middle of two other ones that are really important that began last week. We want to honor God with our lives. God, when we honor God with our lives, God commands a blessing over us. When you honor God with your life, he commands a blessing. In the book of Psalms, verses 1 through 3, it, it's our text. But I'm just going to read verse 3 real quick for context. As the dew that descends upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So just as in the book of Genesis, if you go all the way back, God commanded light to come forth and bam, there was light. Yeah. Why? Because God commanded there to be light. And there was light. It's the same way that he commands his blessings toward us. Then where are they? You say. <laughs> if God's commanded them, then why aren't I receiving them? That's a good question. And if we're not receiving them, then maybe God's broken and his command stick is not working or, something's or maybe something's wrong with me. And no, we don't want to hear that because then I got to do some soul searching, right? You can only, you are the only one that can stop God's blessings over your life. And here's where it might start to get quiet and, and I don't want to misunderstand uh, the quietness for processing. Someone said to me this morning, Pastor, it's okay if we're quiet, we might be just digesting. And so I hope that you'll take some time to digest today. Because this is a, this is a heavy word but a, an important one. As we look into the scriptures, we'll see that God commanding blessings in three main areas of our life. And one of the areas, as I already mentioned, is giving. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. This is where God commands us to give a tithe. And so the sacrificial love offering is great last week. But I want you to understand that God wants to bless you and he wants to bless the body. But he commands a blessing over a tithe. Bring all the tithes. And I, I did this in the Amplified Version. I have multiple translations on my shelf in my office. Because I, I want to look at all the translations. But I want to get to the original. What is God what did he mean in the original context of, historically speaking, of the scripture? And so I like the way the, the amplified version helps us to see this. Bring all the tithes, the tenth, into the storehouse. We believe the storehouse is here. And, and, and the time that this was written in Malachi, it was, a, it was a, a small group gathering in someone's living room on a dirt floor with some wooden trees and stumps for seats. 
And when the, the tithes were brought that way, sometimes they were brought as animals, chickens, goats. It was, it was the, the first fruit of what people had to bless others. And so there, there is something to be said about small groups meeting in people's homes today. Uh, and I'll tell you, I shared a story about a, 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 um, a young single mom in our church who needed some financial help with heating assistance. And, and I have seen multiple, multiple times in this church needs like that, that, that I didn't find out about till months later, if not longer, that there was a need, that person was in a small group, the people in the small group knew there was a need, and boom, 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 they met it, the need was met, taken care of. And that was in the context of a small group, which is like a, char- like a church, like the early church, which is why we stress the importance of connecting in a small group. And I know that it, for, for various reasons, doesn't always work for people to, to have that type of commitment, but I think it's important for you to really consider how you can make that important in your life. So that was the storehouse. Today, this is the storehouse. When we bring our gifts, we're able to bless others. We're able to do ministry and missions and serve and disciple and mentor and help people in need because of benevolence funds. This is the storehouse. So that there may be food in my house. I also believe this, and this is a side note because this is not my main point today, so I'll try to be quick. That God, the tenth is my absolute obedience to God. That's not even optional if I'm going to be a servant of Christ. That I'm going to obey God with the first fruits off the top. That's the tenth. And so, you know, I don't think I get an attaboy for just obeying what I'm commanded to do. I think I get, you know, good job, Craig. I believe I get blessed upon what I give over and above that. That's my conviction. And we call that here an offering. The tithes and the offering. So tuck that away. That's another whole message for another time. If my people, okay, uh, food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing until there is no more room to receive it. See that word, a blessing? Giving commands a blessing. When you are giving in obedience to the word of God, your life will be blessed. The church will be blessed. Are you following? Okay, I got one amen. The rest of you process and chew on that for a while. It's okay. Again, I said sometimes you need to process some of this a little bit. And I had someone that... that, uh, I kind of opposed this, this preaching a few, months, a few weeks back and I had a good conversation. Not a, it, wasn't a, um, it wasn't a debate. It was a good conversation over processing through what did Jesus really mean by this? And, and I would be happy to sit down and, and discuss this further personally with you if you want because some people think, well, this is this time, this is this time. I guess what I would say is the Lord says, test me in this. If you want to see if it's true, why don't you test him in it? Because I believe that you will not be able to outgive God. Moving on. This is where I want to spend a little bit more time today. God commands a blessing over unity. Unity. Everybody say unity. Unity, unity commands a blessing. But if you'll notice, there's a question mark there. Unity commands a blessing statement question mark. Really? Really? And so this is where I questioned what was said. This is, this is a phrase that I'm sure that many of you have heard before. And it's a phrase that usually makes people kind of scratch their head and say, uh, is that in the Bible? Well, is it? It sounds biblical, but is it? 
And so, you know, doing a little bit more research, there are other passages in the scripture that talk about this, but it's one of those sayings that has its roots in the Bible, but it can be misused and it can be misconstrued and quickly um, get off track a little bit. So most, most uh, scholars give credit to Psalm 133, the psalmist as he wrote this, and this is where our text is this morning. Psalm 133 verses 1 through 3, it's the whole the whole chapter, I'm reading it out of the uh, ESV, which I like because I feel like it's, it's most understandable English that I can understand, and it's as closely related to the original uh, language at the, that the Bible was written in. Behold, how good and pleasant it is, brothers, when brothers dwell in unity. And most people read that, and they go right down to the end of verse 3, part B. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. But there's something in the middle, okay? Right, would you agree? There's something in the middle of the first part of verse one and the last part of verse three. So in verse one, David said that it's good and pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. In verse three, it says that there the Lord commanded a blessing. However, we completely skip that middle part and, and I found that we often do this and we omit, we omit or we misinterpret scripture simply so we can arrive at a point that we're trying to make and I don't want us to do that. I don't want you to do that and I don't want to do that. We don't want to be guilty of that. There's nothing more detrimental than, than ignoring portions of scripture because, we don't, um, we, because they don't line up with the way we think um, we want God to be <laughs> or the things that we think we want God to be saying. And so the whole Bible is in the infallible, inerrant, without error word of God. So does unity really command a blessing is the question that I had. Does unity really command a blessing when I look at this scripture? And so do you want the answer? Okay, the answer is yes and no. Yes and no. So let's get into why they are yes and no. Because I'd like it to just be an easy yes. Wouldn't that be great? All right, we can close and head home. Let's go. There are plenty of scripture and lots of current stories where people were united but still don't receive the commanded blessing of God. What about the story of Babel in Genesis chapter 11? We see the people are completely united for a cause but there they actually receive the opposite of a blessing. They didn't, re why did they not receive a blessing? They were united for a cause, their own cause their cause was to build their own pride and to protect themselves from their fears and insecurities. They were united, but they were united in the wrong things. Things that did not line up with God and with the word, with his word. So, it's important for us. If you or we, if, if we want our unity to receive the commanded blessing of God, there are some things to consider. The rest of this passage. Let's start with be united in holy kingship. So how do we, how are we united? And this is what I mean by be united in holy kingship. Many theologians believe that this particular passage of, of Psalms was written when all the tribes of Israel had had gotten together and decided unanimously to appoint David as the king of Israel. And before this time, you remember the 12 tribes of Israel, they were completely defunct and dysfunctional. 
There was 12 tribes, but they, they couldn't seem to make any real progress because they had a tribe with a leader that said, hey, let's go this way. They had another tribe that said, yeah, that's nice for you, but we're going to go this way. And another tribe leader that wanted to go that way. So they were all over the place. They were dysfunctional. So after David was appointed as king or anointed as king, we see Israel begin to flourish. If we want our unity, hear me, to receive the commanded blessing of God, we must be united in his kingship over our lives. And so this goes back to you as an individual. It starts with you and me looking in the mirror and doing some inventory and doing some soul searching and say, okay, God, what's going on in me that maybe I'm not living in the blessing that you've commanded over my life? Ouch, that's not night, Pastor. You're supposed to be nice to me. What's it? All right, so here, here's some questions I want you to answer. Is he really king? Yeah. And what does that look like? Well, I believe in God. I be You've got to really answer this as we're talking about kingship or lordship. Do you listen when he speaks? Well, I don't know. He doesn't really speak to me. Well, that's not true. He speaks to you right here. He doesn't often speak to me in an audible voice. Two times I've heard him speak to me in an audible voice and it scared the mess out of me because if God's got to do that to you, man, he's got to get your attention. Um, usually he speaks through other means, through other people, through wisdom of godly counsel, through others, maybe through your spouse, your husband or your wife. If you're a child in here, your, your, your uh, children, parents will, God will speak to you through your parents. There's plenty of ways that God speaks to us. The question is, do we listen? And then do you obey? Do you trust even when it doesn't make sense? Mark shared the story of sitting in the room praying, God, you know, God, make this thing go away. What are you doing? Why is it still here? We're here two and a half days. That's a long time to sit in your house while a category five storm is blowing outside of your house. A long time and, and certainly fear and doubt and all kinds of questions can come up and, and yet you say, where were you? Then you walk outside of your house and you realize that everything all around you is, is just blown to smithereens and yet God had his hand and his angels watching over and protecting you. We don't always see that, right? We don't always know what's on the other side. We don't always see his guarding angels that are protecting and watching over. Do you trust him even when life doesn't make sense? Even when you're in the storm? Even when it hurts? Even when you're in pain or you've got loss or you've got whatever, fill in the blank. God, where are you? Do you trust him? Because if you trust him, that means you said, God, my life belongs completely to you. It's not mine to do as I please or as I wish. I belong to you. That's what complete surrender looks like. That's what... A complete abandonment really looks like. So in Psalm chapter 133 verse 2 it says, It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard of Aaron running down on his collar. So as we're unpacking this passage, the oil. What does the oil mean? What does it represent? David begins to relate this moment of unity to the oil being poured out on the high priest. This was not just ordinary oil. This was anointing, the anointing oil of God that was used anytime the high priest ministered. And you have to understand, the high priest wasn't even if, uh, permitted, he was not allowed to minister without the anointing oil poured out over him. Why was this so important? What do we need to know about the oil? 
Well, first we need to know this is what the oil represents in practical terms for you and I today. Trying to take an Old Testament passage and really dissect this and say, how is this practical for me? Oil was fragrant, fragrant for everybody who was around. You could smell the oil. You could smell it because of how it was made. How do others describe your life? Is your life a sweet fragrance to others? I just heard a story this morning, a quick little snapshot that I thought reflected this very well of a gentleman who said, I, I came over to visit a family member. There were some other people with this family member and they said, wow, what's up with him? And she's like, well, what do you mean? Well, he just seems that there's something different about him. I don't know if he was smiling or dancing or what he was doing, but something was clearly different. And this, this other lady questioned the, the sister and said, you know, what's the deal with him? And she said, well, he's a Christian. She said, oh, really? As soon as he stepped into the circle, she said, can you tell me about a little bit more about the end times, about Jesus, about all these things? And so the questions just be, be, were being poured out to this, to this man who stepped in because there was something different. His life oozed the fragrance of the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit upon him. And something's missing when the world sees nothing different about us than the rest of the world. Something's wrong. Secondly, the oil was made with five specific ingredients. The anointing oil was only one. Then there was four very specific spices given in, in scripture with instructions on how to blend, how to mix, what spices to use. Our lives should exemplify the words that Jesus himself instructed. We've got to follow his instruction. Our lives should exemplify the instruction that Jesus gave us. We should show grace and love to all. We should be bearers of hope in every situation and peacemakers whenever we can, whenever it's up to us. You say, how does that all come together? Because it's, it's following what's already been told to us. There should be something, something fragrant about our lives. We should look different, act different, smell different. People should see something different in you. Fill in the blanks. In verse 3, it says, it's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. So notice how it starts. The dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there, where? The mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. That's in your scripture, it's not up there right now. But here's what the dew means. The dew came from Mount Hermon and fell on the mountains of Zion. What does this mean for you and me? It means this. Hermon was the commonplace. Mount Hermon was the commonplace, and Zion was the place of God. I've seen Mount Hermon. My wife and I got to see it, and others that went to Israel, we saw Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon was the commonplace, and you're going to understand this better here in a minute. Zion was the place of God. The dew was in abundance and actually increased the fertility of the land that it fell on. So the dew that was on the commonplace made the sacred place or the place of God more fertile. What it means to you and me is this. The commonplace blessed the place of God. The commonplace is your common everyday life. It's how you live out your life. And 
If we have to turn on Christianity when we come to church on Sunday morning, I fear that we've missed the point. If we have to turn on our worship on Sunday morning when you come in here and there's a band and it's an atmosphere and others are worshiping, if that's the only time you turn on your faith walk with Christ, that's what's missing. Amen. If it's... Don't clap, stay with me, just listen. If it's not in the commonplace, if it's not in your everyday life, if you're not living it out in your home, in your relationships, in your workplace, in your jobs, in your schools, then why should you expect in here to be any different? We shouldn't, but we do. And then we like to say, well, the worship is kind of flat today. No, you're flat today. The you're flat, okay? Because the problem is not with the worship team, the problem is in our hearts. Because the commonplace has been neglected. Pardon me for being so blunt. But the, when the commonplace is neglected, the Mount Hermon place, why should we expect the place of God to be blessed? I love you. You don't have to say it back. Process. Okay. Process it. Does your, answer this question, does your common time bring blessing to the kingdom of God? Who you are in the secret place. What's going on in your life when no one else is around? Who's watching in your home? Jesus is there. He's watching. Your common everyday life and your life choices, not just when you're in church or with other believers. It's easy to flip on the switch because we know, we've been there and done that. We know how to act like a Christian when we need to. But how much of a man of God are you with your wife when no one else is around? Or woman of God or child of God or you fill in the blank. Does it bring blessing to the church? And what I propose to you is that God wants to bless you. Wants to bless his church corporately, collectively. But, but I am the church. I am the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. Start acting like it. Start living like it. Well it's hard. Yeah it's hard. It's a complete sacrifice. It's not a partial in or a partial out. It's all in, like I said earlier. So, which falls on the mountains of Zion? For there the Lord has commanded the blessing of life forevermore. What is Zion? The moment after David talks about Zion, this is what he says in this scripture. He talks about Zion and says, there the Lord has commanded a blessing. So the ancient Hebrew word for Zion, it it's, means a Canaanite, a Canaanite hill fortress in Jerusalem captured by David called in the Bible, the city of David, which we saw the city of David as well. But this is what Zion can refer to. One of three places according to scripture. The hill where the most ancient areas of Jerusalem stood. The city of Jerusalem itself or the dwelling place of God. Where is the dwelling place of God? Me. You. You are the dwelling place. God doesn't dwell in this building. He's not in a building. It's an inanimate object. He's in you, a living being. So he dwells in you and that's what this Zion is representing here that we've got to get our minds wrapped around. Where is there? There is Zion or the kingdom of God. So it is there in Zion that the Lord has commanded a blessing when we dwell in unity. A blessing in you and you and you and you and you. And in all of us, God's commanded a blessing when... We dwell in unity that lines up with God's word. And what does that look like? So that's what we're trying to figure out, right? So that's why the answer is yes and no. Because sometimes our unity is not for God's purpose, it's for mine. 
This is about getting our mind wrapped around kingdom dynamics and not Craig dynamics or John dynamics or whatever. It's about his kingdom, not mine. Hello? In order for unity to command a blessing, we must be united for a kingdom purpose, not my purpose. Why do you and I exist? I don't exist to get up tomorrow morning to go to work, to punch a clock, to pay the bills, to buy a nice house and have a nice picket fence and live happily ever after. I've got a nice this, a nice that. That's not why I exist. I exist and I was created for his glory. So that everything that I say and do and all that I am and how I live my life should bring glory to him. That's the purpose that I was created for. I don't care how young or old you are in this place. You've got to look at what that means for your everyday life. And if, you, if you're a garbage man picking up trash out there and that's what God's called you to do, that's where he's placed you, then do it all to the glory of God. Whatsoever you do, Colossians 3.23 says, do it with all of your heart unto the Lord. And some of us work jobs that are not necessarily our calling per se. But you know what? God can still use you in that place if you'll say, God, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to honor you. Whether I'm cleaning bedpans or I'm, or I'm leading a, a team of, of thousands. It doesn't matter. What is the purpose of your life? What is the purpose of your life? Is it a kingdom purpose or is it a Craig purpose? Do I live for him? Am I existing for him? I told you this was going to take some time to process. It, it can't be unity for unity's sake. This is why getting back to the yes and no. If we just want to be in unity so we can be in unity... So we can um, have more people at church. God doesn't bless that. That's not blessed by God. If it's for a kingdom purpose. So we can come together in one accord. And lift you up Jesus. And make you known to all men. And so that we can be a light in a dark place. We've come to bring the message of Jesus. That's the commandment that he's given us. Love God and love others. And go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we come together in one accord. And when you really give a rat's behind about that. That's what makes a difference. But we don't live like that. We say, oh, that's a great commandment. We're told that's a great commission. Pastor says it all the time. Well, goody two shoes for him. If you're not living like that and doing anything about that, why would we be expected to receive God's blessing when we're not individually living like that? Because then collectively it makes no difference. Are you with me? You've got to care about that. You've got to care about lost people. You've got to care about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and making him first and loving your neighbor as yourself and really caring about them. And then you've got to really care about how am I going to go and make disciples? It's not just the pastor's job or pastor's Zach's job. It's yours. And God cannot command a blessing over us when we're not living out the priorities and the precepts of the word of God. The great commandment and the great commission. Well, we're doing that as a church pastor. I come and I serve at the, you know, this event or giving out Thanksgiving baskets. No, that, listen, those are just things we do together. What are you doing in your life? God commands the blessings when we get this right. This house in order. It cannot just be unity for you. It has to be more. Are we givers of grace and love? Does our everyday common routine that's the next slide. Bring abundance and fruitfulness to the kingdom of God. Are we peacemakers? Listen, don't, this is, you need to inventory, soul searching. <laughs> Am I doing these things? Are we growing the kingdom of God? Well, I sure hope you are, Pastor. Maybe you can put on another potluck. You know, that might help. No. No, are you 
growing the kingdom of God in your circle of influence by lovingly guiding people into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. We'll love way more people into the kingdom of God than we'll preach into the kingdom of God. The unbeliever, if they came in here and heard this message today, they'd be like, that dude's a jerk, I'm out of there. <laughs> right? Let's be real about it. But I'm preaching to you, you're the church, you should know this and receive it as love from the Lord and from the word of God and from my heart. Are we growing the kingdom? Are we bearers of hope? Sometimes we in the church have less hope than those in the world do. Where is our hope? Our hope is in Jesus. It's not in our circumstances or situations. Do we show that God's love is for all of us? Everybody, all people. Yes, the drug addict, the derelict, the prostitute, the homeless. God's love is for them. What are you doing to reach them? Easy to reach people who are, you know, a little more got it together. <laughs> so, let's unite in these things. And there, there the Lord will command a blessing. When we as believers walk together in unity, God will command a blessing. Hebrews 6.18 says it like this. It was impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6.18. So he added an oath as an additional layer of promise. And I like this. The writer calls these two immutable things. They are unchangeable. So it, it, everything we know changes in this world but God. God cannot change. He cannot be added to or subtracted from. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says this, For I am the Lord, I change not. Thus, the commanded blessing of the Lord is forever sure. You don't have to question it. It's commanded. The question that we have to answer is, Are you and I in a place to receive the blessing? That's been commanded from God. Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's awesome, isn't it? I love that. So listen to this. If, if we as God's peculiar people are given that kind of power, when we speak, imagine the one who created us. The power that he has to speak into existence. Mountains melting. Dead rising. God who made the heavens and the earth can speak any blessing upon us and we will receive it. That's powerful. That's powerful. It's important that we are in one accord. I don't know if um, last week if you were here or not here. I think I was here. I think I preached. Yes, I did. And I, I preached um, something different in second service a little bit than I did in first service. Brian, is Brian here? Brian's not here. I don't know what got put on. Are they both on there? Thank you, Zach. PZ. Um, and, and it's important because God, sometimes the Holy Spirit moves in different ways in our services, which is one of the things that I struggle with, honestly, as your pastor. But God is sovereign. I'm like, oh, God, you know, I don't know if I said this or I didn't say that and this one and that one. And so be praying about that too and what, what and how that, but God is sovereign. Um, we need to be praying for unity, church. We need to be in one accord. The third area I want to give you as, as we wrap up, because this is important, obedience commands a blessing. Obedience commands a blessing. In fact, if you're a child here, a young person, the only command with a promise, children honor and obey your parents for this will lead to long life and prosperity. <laughs> honor and obey. The third area that God commands his blessings is this. We all know that scripture says obedience is better than sacrifice and here's why. Deuteronomy chapter 28, look at verse one and again, I knew for the sake of time, 
you can read this whole passage and realize it's in context. I assure you of that from what I said earlier, but this is what it says, and I've broken it down for the sake of um, time this morning. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all his commands, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings, all these blessings will come to you, come on you, and accompany you if, if, that two-letter word, man, that's a tough one. Oh, sometimes I hate that. If you obey the Lord your God, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses, that's your churches, and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Listen, I want this church to be blessed more abundantly than we can contain. And I want it to be blessed more abundantly, not so we can say, hey, we are blessed, <laughs> but so we can bless others, right? If God can get it through you, he's gonna get it to you. There are countless lives in the greater Waterville area hanging in the balance by a thread. There are one a day in our state at minimal that are dying from drug overdoses in our country. There's people bound in addiction that when the presence of God is on us, when the anointing of the Holy One is on us, when you walk by the addict in the street, something's gonna happen to them and I believe that they can be set free by your very presence because it's not you, it's Him. So be filled with the Holy Spirit of God operating and demonstrating the power from on high flowing through you so that when those opportunities arise, you can lay hands on them and say, hey, can I pray for you? Because I, I can, you can see it all over them. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize broken, hurting people. Am I right? Can you tell me I'm right? You've seen them. We drive by them. I see them on the streets of Waterville all the time. They're hopeless. And they're without hope, help. But you've got the hope they need, Jesus in you. This is amazing. If we can just live in the unity of the Lord, along with walking in obedience to his word, we can have the blessing of the Lord upon us. So you need to check your heart. Where are you at? I need to check my heart. Where am I at? I know that I want to receive all the blessing that God has in store for me. I know that I want that. How about you? And now that you know what's required of you, will you allow those blessings to cease? Because you're the only one that can stop those blessings. And many in the church have stopped those blessings. They're not flowing in their life. They're not flowing freely through them as God intended for them to be. Why? The place of blessing. The place of blessing in closing this, this phrase in Psalm chapter 133, then the Lord commanded the blessing. It's always been my ambition as a believer to live in the place where the Lord commands the blessing. See, the Lord, understand, the Lord commands the blessing. There's no power in the universe that can stop God. If God has commanded the blessing, so here's the, here's the problem with us in the church. So many times we see God's people cry out to God for blessing and praying for blessing and seeking the blessing. And I, I, I understand all that, but to me, and I, and I hope that this is what you leave here with today, it's so much higher, so much more important, so much more critical that you simply 
live in the place where God's commanded a blessing. And there are areas in your life that you can do that in. What's that place? It's a place of unity. Where brethren dwell together in unity. We're in one accord. This is what God's called us to. What's the purpose of your life? Why do you exist? I exist for him. Everything else I do is just kind of on the side. I just want to bring glory to God in everything that I say and all that I do and everywhere I go and every relationship that I have. I want to honor you, God. That's really all that matters. It's so important to dwell in unity. It's the place of obedience where we listen to and we act upon the promises of God and obey his word. It's also the place of giving. And as I said earlier, our heart, it's not about our pocketbooks, it's about our hearts. It's not about our wallets, it's about our hearts. And oh, we can all get by with giving, you know, oh, yeah, no one will know, I'll just give a little less. God knows your heart, and that's what he's after. He's not after your bank account, he's after your heart. If you'll trust him with your heart, he will take care of your bank account. He will. He promised to. It may not be as full as you want it, but if money is more important to you than honoring God, then your heart's not in the right place anyway. Hearts have got to be right and desire to give him what rightfully belongs to him alone. It doesn't belong to me anyway. So these three areas that God has commanded the blessing and life forevermore. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Where are you this morning? I don't know. Maybe your spouse doesn't even fully know. But what matters is that God knows. And sometimes I think that the, muddy, the water is muddy in our own heads where our hearts are. And that's why it's necessary to really do some, keep regular inventory with the Lord. Do some soul searching regularly. Have that quiet time with the Lord regularly. But I do believe that God wants to bless you Individually, he wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bring health and healing and wholeness to you. He wants to bless your children. Doesn't mean you'll be without problems and difficulty in this world because he said that we would have that. But if we can position ourselves to receive the blessing of God, there's no better place to be. I want you folks to know that he's preparing the bride spotless and blameless. He's preparing you and I and that's painful at times and it hurts because we've got to go through a process of purification and pruning, cutting away the areas that don't belong. But I would, I would challenge you to say, God, here I am. Prune away. Reveal to me areas in my life that have not been surrendered to you. Dear God, I thank you for this day and I thank you that we stand on your word and we, we depend on you that you do remain the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you are unchangeable. I thank you for your promises, Lord, from the Old Testament right through the scripture that all scripture is inerrant, it's inspired by God, it is never changing, and it speaks to us today. Thank you for the promises and the blessings that you have in store for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to ready ourselves to receive them by giving. And not just in a sacrificial offering, but our lives. 
would be our act of worship unto you, that our hearts would be right and ready, that we would bring the, the, the tithe to the storehouse and that we would bless you with that, that we would walk in unity and be obedient in following your commandments. God, I pray that you would truly unite us in one accord, uh, the purposes of, of our life and our life mission. Lord, we invite your blessings, but more importantly, I pray that you would by your Holy Spirit in a loving way bring conviction to areas of our life that are not in alignment with you that are not prepared to receive your blessing and help us to make the necessary adjustments and corrections on our course on our journey so that we can live the blessed life in Jesus name Amen would you stand to your feet with me this morning and no, we've gone a little late, but again, I want to just thank you for being here, especially if you're a guest. We welcome you and honored to have you. We do have our luncheon today, but I'm going to ask you what I did first service is I just opened up the altars. Uh, some of our prayer partners are here. If you'd like to pray with some folks, I'll be down here. If you raised your hand uh, for salvation earlier, um, we have a Bible we'd like to give to you. We want to help you get started. We have a, a, pro, a class called Starting Point to get on the right path. So... Um, I'd like to ask you to try to move your fellowship outside in the foyer if you'd like to pray. Let's just turn on some worship music and uh, continue to pray and worship the Lord. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Uh, thank you for being here today and let's continue to prepare our hearts. Don't miss the starting of our series next week, Radical Faith. God bless you. We'll see you then.